Alchemy is an ancient practice associated with science, chemistry, physics, astronomy, astrology, art, symbology, methodology, medicine, and philosophical analysis. And despite that these sciences were not exercised in a scientific way as known today, alchemy is the origin of modern logic. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, dear listeners, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, and welcome to another episode of the Alchemy of Truth. This is your host, Nasr al-Khatib. With us today is Sister Amasi, and she's going to be talking to us about FAMSI, the work that FAMSI is doing, and FAMSI's newest workshop coming up in uh, a week, inshallah, uh, which is going to be about marriage and how to fix a marriage. Sister Amasi, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wabarakatuh. Let me start with this question. Have you ever had fights with your husband before? <laughs> Um, not physical fights. Not physical fights, <laughs> good. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. But we've had um, arguments and silent treatments. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this happens, I guess, in every marriage, isn't it? Okay, so tell us a little bit first. Let's start with FAMSI. Tell us a little bit about FAMSI. Uh, we know that it's uh, one of the oldest student organizations, Islamic student organizations in Australia. But what is FAMSI today? FAMSI stands for the Federation of Australian Muslim Students and Youth. It's an organization that's committed to the education and training and development of future leaders. It offers various programs, including the Tarbiya program. What is what is the Tarbiya program? The Tarbiya program is a mentorship and learning program. Um, so it involves weekly halaqat, Islamic lessons for uh, sisters and brothers. And the Tarbiya also includes the Baylib program, which stands for the Believe, Achieve and Inspired Leadership yeah, program. Yeah, so that's been quite famous, getting a lot of awards in yeah. Victoria and there have been efforts to bring it over to New South Wales as it's well. It's actually already, um, it's yeah, it's already started here enough. in New South Wales. It, this year is the first yeah. year. Okay. It, so it's a tertiary, a tertiary accredited professional and Islamic leadership course. Oh, um, and it's been running since 2009 in Melbourne and it's first year here in Sydney. Okay, that's excellent. What else do you guys do? And FAMSI runs annual camps and sporting competitions and it also runs various and regular workshops which provide in-focus topics. Okay, okay, excellent. So tell us then about this uh, marriage workshop. Um, can I just ask, why did you decide on this marriage workshop? I mean, how important um, do you see this for the Muslim community? Do you see that there is a shortage in this sort of understanding? It's actually quite funny how uh, this idea came about. Um, Sister Monique Tui, who's a friend on Facebook, and she's very active with the Muslim community over there in, in Melbourne. So she does a lot of workshops and training sessions for um, about relationships in general. Mm. Um, and she was talking about this marriage workshop um, in February. She put it up as a post on on her Facebook advertising for it and it sounded really good and we thought at the time in February we ha- we don't have uh, we haven't had a lot of marriage related workshops or sessions mm. or for couples specifically yeah. Yeah, yeah um so i thought that would be something very good because she's run it um, or she was preparing to run it in Melbourne back then it was a very good idea to bring it to Sydney as well this is something that's quite new because generally um islamic initiatives uh range um, around more theoretical knowledge. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, a very practical 
uh, workshop. And I mean, can you tell us, first of all, is it about saving a marriage or is it just about maintaining already healthy marriages, sort of like men are from Mars, women are from Venus sort of thing? Um, well, it's for those who um, want to create a resilient and passionate and enduring relationship or keep it that way at least. Mm. Um, so it's re- it's not really for those who have serious problems or issues because they pro- probably need to seek advice one-on-one. But this is just like a general workshop, a fun workshop. It's not going to be a lecture. It's going to be very engaging with the couples um, and the presenter. And I think there'll be um, a lot of game style sort of um, activities okay. as I understand it if you're married and you're happy with your wife you don't have any problems you know you're not thinking I would like to see her dead <laughs> or I'd like to see him dead or something <laughs> this this workshop is still for you yes okay. um, and it's also we say married couple but even engaged couples are encouraged mm-hmm. to attend because um, they will still learn and gain a lot of valuable information mm-hmm. and um, knowledge, but also learn from the more experienced married couples around. Okay, what else do you have there? Um, a little bit about the presenter, but okay. So tell us then, who is uh, Monique Tui? Because I mean, uh, I know that she's in Melbourne. She used to teach at a Islamic school, and I think she's also Tansil Ali's wife, who's the Australian Memory Champion. But who yeah. is she? Um, so, Sister Monique Tui is a managing director and the principal psychologist in her own private practice in Melbourne. Her experience as a counsellor and her contribution to the Muslim community spans over 18 years across many different Muslim organisations, including, and I think she's the executive member um, of ICV, the Islamic Council of Victoria. Um, So she's a psychologist that's um, very experienced within the Muslim community. Yeah, yeah, okay. Is this the first time that she's bringing this workshop over to Sydney? Yes. Um, she ran this workshop in Melbourne in March, and by popular demand and by its success, she ran a second one in okay. May, the same one in May. Yeah. So she's already done it twice. Mm. Um, so by the time she runs in, in, in Sydney, it'll be her third time. Oh, inshallah. 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 That's great. And now we go to uh, Sister Monique, who is in Melbourne at the moment. So we're, uh, we're having a phone interview with her. Um, about her upcoming uh, trip to Sydney, which will be uh, next week, inshallah. Monuk Tui is the managing director and principal psychologist in her private practice in Melbourne, Nasiha Consulting Group. Her experience as a counsellor and her contributions to the Muslim community spans over 18 years across 30 different Muslim organizations in training, counselling, project and event management roles. We speak to Sister Monique now. Sister Monique, assalamu alaikum. Thank you very much for making the time to speak with us. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. So, Sister Monique, uh, tell us first of all a little bit about yourself and your work in the Muslim community and in Victoria, I'm guessing. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, yeah, I've been working with the community for um, around 18 years, pretty much since I um, reverted to Islam about as long ago. Um, over that time, I've been working across um, lots of different organisations. When I, I guess when I first became Muslim, there actually was only one social service agency. And at the time, um, I was also studying psychology. So this is going, you know, a long way back. But anyway, I tried to, um, I started volunteering uh, and and running things like cross-cultural training and so forth. But more, um, I guess over that span, I've worked with lots of groups and, and I guess um, in, in a 
both a volunteer and a paid capacity because it's been my passion to support the Muslim community um, with regards to the development of social services. So I've been working in um, schools, um, in Islamic schools, working um, to set up their Islam- their school counselling departments yep. and so forth. So I started off as a school counsellor and then as I got qualified, I w- went on to be the school psychologist. Um, I still consult with um, many of the Islamic schools in Melbourne um, around um, issues of students and learning. Um, I also worked quite extensively with an organisation called ESA, which was Islamic Social Services Agency, and and we looked to um, you know be getting from a volunteer point of view, um, providing outreach support for Muslims um, and also. Um, counselling for Muslims who are in need. Um, more recently, though, I've, I've my focus, um, because of my professional background, I have specialised in working with um, children and families, both at an undergrad and postgraduate level. Um, but I've worked, um, been working with the Islamic Council and uh, offering not only, not only training but uh, around supporting youth participation, but also strengthening families projects, and and some of that work's actually been involved with strengthening and updating the skills um, and knowledge of imams in our community in their work with young people and couples and working to sort of build bridges, I guess, with their knowledge of mental health issues because, unfortunately, you know, the, the Muslim community is not immune from yeah, from course. the social ills that, that other communities face. Yes, yes. Yeah, one of the main differences, though, is, is that the Muslim community are less likely to access services when when things are starting to go wrong and this is very true for muslim couples as well um muslim couples you know they i guess our community we have not only um high self-reliance you know we like to rely on ourselves mm-hmm. um but we also have strong typically speaking we have strong family networks and so if, if things start to go a little bit pear-shaped we tend to access support through our family members and and also through our wise elders, which could look like imams or it could look like, you know, the knowledgeable uncle. Um, but sometimes um, matters are in, in marriage in particular can get quite complex. And uh, and then what, we've, what I've definitely been seeing over the last couple of years is imams uh, referring to my clinic to support them to have healthier marriages. The unfortunate thing, though, Nasser, is... Uh, that a lot of couples, they will access this support when their relationships are real crisis. And that's really one of the reasons that I've started to do training of couples to have healthier relationships because to work in a preventative way is a not only more much more fun, um, but it's actually much more effective. Okay. I mean, that's uh, a lot of amazing work you're doing, and I think we've got a lot of shortage of that in New South Wales as well. Even though we do have, you know, uh, practitioners in psychology, family issues, but uh, this connection between, you know, the Muslim imams and the Muslim organizations is not something that I'm aware of providing to the community. So um, I hope, you know, in the future that this uh, does get more applied in uh, New South Wales as well. Look, Tell us a little bit about marriage in Australia generally and in the Muslim community. We always seem to think that Muslims don't have marriage issues because, you know, Islam provides a better ideal, etc. But I always hear different, um, you know, practitioners in this field say that, you know, divorce courts are full of Muslim couples. So Mm -hmm. how healthy is marriage in Australia for the Muslim community? Unfortunately, we're we're very um, you know we're following the the mainstream community quite closely. If you look in the general population, 
um, you know, the, the figures of divorce show that around two in three marriages end up in divorce. With the Muslim community, it's one in three, but it's certainly heading quite close to mm. the general population's um, figures, which mm. also, also show then, um, you know, that we're, we're struggling significantly, you know, with marriage. I guess there's, there's protective factors and risk factors in terms of Muslim, in terms of Muslim marriages. Some of the risk factors um, that I see as a professional is that when Muslim couples get married, um, because of the etiquette in, in Islam of, generally speaking, not having a relationship before marriage, um, unfortunately couples then don't, don't have a great opportunity to know each other you know, in depth mm. and, and sometimes that can lead to them not making the right decision. So some, I, I guess as a community we have to really think about some structures that adhere to Islamic principles that allow couples to get to sort of know each other. But I'm not talking about um, just spending time with each other or going out to a cafe. I'm talking about really getting to know what each other's beliefs and values are mm. because I think that when you end up getting married, that's essentially what pulls couples apart. It's not the fact that, you you know, one person likes to go to the movies and one person likes to go to the football. Um, it's it's much, much deeper than that. It comes down to um, a conflict in in how they're uh, expressing their yeah. values. And, and that does come down to their practice of Islam as well. So this comes to their, I guess, life expectations and marriage expectations that, for example, and, and this I've seen myself personally, in that the person expects uh, a life of hard work where him and his wife, for example, two full-time jobs, and the wife is expecting that she stays at home and her husband provides for her, and that actually has caused a divorce in the end. Absolutely. And you know what? Um, if those if those sort of issues had been discussed before marriage, in just in terms of you know what people expect um, their, their life to sort of play out, then they might come to an agreement that they're actually not suited to each other. Mm -hmm. And if we look at parallel, you know, communities like the, um, say, the Catholic community, for example, mm. um, they've been having, it's actually compulsory to do pre-marriage courses or yep. pre-marital courses mm -hmm. um, before Catholic couples get married. And, that's, and, and, and quite frankly, they could have been living together, but the church won't marry them unless they've done some pre-marriage you know, counselling, which I think is wonderful. We know that it's very effective. It's effective in terms of reducing rates of divorce because couples actually then um, may decide that they're not suited towards each other, you know, in marriage and actually don't get married. Yeah. And and for us, that's a much that's a much better outcome. It's, there's certainly less trauma um, in deciding not to get married before you have than deciding to go through a divorce, which, you know, for most people is, is quite stressful. Um, so I think... Yeah. So some other some of the protective factors, um, though, is is clearly our Islam. Our Islam, you know, if adhered to, um, I guess, as much as we can. And you know, we are human beings. We we were told that it wasn't, you know, by by living with our mate that it wasn't going to be an easy journey. Mm. Uh, everything doesn't, you know, our a good marriage doesn't get served on a platter. It is something that you have to work in. I give the analogy that it's a little bit like a business or setting up a business. Mm. Um, it is a marriage or a family is a mini organization, but it is indeed the most important organization in the world yes. because it sets up the foundation for what our societies look like. So we know that if our societies become unhealthy, it's a reflection that things are going wrong in relationships and primarily with the, with the couple relationship, which is, I guess, where my passion comes in to support, you know, couples to do marriage better than mm. what we are because mm. it's reflective of not only the, the, the health state of the 
Muslim community, but also the health state of other parts of the world as well. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, another question that I had about uh, marriage and, and about the course as well. Um, is there such a thing as a set of golden rules for a healthy marriage? We may see, for example, in magazines, some magazines, some some websites, you know, five rules to do this and ten rules to do that. Can we come up with a similar, um, you know, set of rules for a healthy marriage as well? Um, ironically, we, we can, in, in a way, um, come through, uh, come to some conclusion. But from what I understand is uh, there's... There's extensive research around what makes healthy marriages. Um, you know, there are some um, some authors that can actually predict, um, you know, uh, with a very strong pinpoint accuracy, uh, but just by witnessing couples whether their relationship will will survive or end in divorce, mm. and and that's based on yeah a set I guess a set of principles or a set of um, behaviours that they've observed in healthy relationships. And I'll give one, and I'm certainly not going to give it all away because we'll talk, be talking about this at the workshop. One of them is around, uh, firstly, not, not expecting that there won't be any conflict in marriage, um, but expecting that there will be conflict in marriage, you, you know, from time to time that two individuals, the husband and wife, will have a difference of opinion. And it's actually not, as some people might think, it's not in the amount of times that couples actually disagree or have arguments that leads to divorce. It's actually how they argue. So it's it's how they can continue to have that disagreement of opinion but respect each other in the relationship. So they're not, I like to say it's sort of like, when, when, we, when we argue with our spouse, sometimes we automatically go on opposite sides of the team. But in marriage, we are on the same side uh, of, of the team. But I think in, an argument can very quickly push, you know, the spouse to, from one side of the table and, and the other spouse goes to the other side of the table and you're arguing at each other. Mm-hmm. But that can be destructive in, in, and as people can say or, you know, say silly things or um, do things that they regret later, that actually can damage the relationship. And it's so it's it's how how we can have those differences of opinion, but actually continue to respect each other in that as we're having that dialogue. So the couples that were that are able to have a diff, you know to have an argument, but at, at the fundamental level they still respect each other during the argument or during the disagreement. Um, that's that's a protective factor for them mm-hmm. because they see that you know, I'm still married to you, you're still my spouse, it doesn't matter if I'm agreeing or disagreeing with you at this present moment because in five or ten minutes when we've stopped arguing, we'll still be married. Um, but we also don't want that dis- disagreement to cause some damage to the relationship and I think that's what couples forget. So that's we'll be talking about um, in in the marriage workshop around the anatomy of an argument, understanding um what what influence that our own gender has on the way that we um, communicate in an argument, the way that our actual body responds differently in an argument. It's actually really fascinating in terms of the science of, of an argument. Mm. And I think once we understand that, then we can be a little bit more compassionate and not, um, I guess, uh, I guess compassionate towards each other because there's understanding of how each other's body might react. But, you know, there's a lot of... Um, that the science of the argument is also being backed up by a hadith around controlling ourselves when we're angry and and how to have um, etiquette when we're actually disagreeing when we're disagreeing and those those principles of Islam I think we also need to remember because we're now getting scientific evidence to sort of back up all those little principles yep, yep. 
of course. Which is very similar to other other disciplines, whether it's mm. geology or embryology in the science. So we're also seeing science back up the psychology in the Quran as well. Yep. And that's the angle that I come from. I wanted to also ask you about is in many cases a misunderstanding of Islam where the misapplication of um, Islamic philosophy towards marriage and relationships and loves etc can cause many problems which can range anywhere from domestic violence to divorce to just having an unhappy marriage. Um, and this also connects to um, you know issues that I've seen as well in, in some couples whereby if you tell them about, for example, you know uh, rules of healthy, healthy communications from seven habits of highly effective people to men are from Mars and men are from Venus, they just reject all that stuff by saying, look, we have all we need in Islam and they apply it with, with lots of problems. So how much of that do you see in your work and how, how do you think we can fix such a problem? I'll tell you how I'm dealing with that, even in even in the very workshop that I'm running. You know, mm. so Allah, you know, Allah told us to seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave, and also, you know, to seek it wherever we can find it, um, which doesn't actually just refer to in the Quran um, or, or the Sunnah. And obviously, we, you know, we're not seeking knowledge that is um, contradictory um, to to the principles and the values that are in the Quran or the Sunnah, um, but it's also the strategies of how to implement those values or how to maintain those values um, whilst we are living life, um, which is which is quite complex. So I guess um, uh, one of the things that I see play out more in marriages that can have a destructive um, effect more than even the misunderstanding of Islam, I mean, it is the misunderstanding of Islam, but is the application of our personal or familial scripts for marriage, so most people um, we don't we don't get taught how to be a spouse in a similar way we don't get taught how to be a parent. Um, but where do we learn that from? We we learn it pre- predominantly from our family of origin, the family that we grew up in, and we watch our our mother be a wife, or we watch our father be a husband, or if if they weren't um, our primary caregivers, we watch typically other. Um, caregivers in those roles and that's how we learn about how to be a husband or how to be a wife and um, so when I see um, couples that have problems in their relationship they're applying those scripts and those scripts are predominantly cultural scripts I'm not just talking about ethnic culture although that can be a massive factor Um, I'm talking about family scripts so depending on how families actually operated and if they for instance, if they practiced Islam, you know, beautifully and and they applied that in their marriage script, then that's what children inherit. Yep. But um, sometimes that's not always the case. So if, when it comes down to the smallest of issues, um, let's take money for an issue. It's still the number one um, cause of divorces all over the world is the pressure of money and finances. Um, so it comes down to how we... How are we negotiating that? What are our expectations around the, you know, the use of money in a household, or, or the provision of, you know, of being maintained and and so forth, and and how much of that is, either are we basing that on an Islamic script for what needs to occur, or are we basing it on a cultural script? What's, you know, what has occurred in the family of origin? Um, so, to you know, in marriage, ideally, we're looking to attain a state. Of Islam, you know, a state of peace, um, but it doesn't mean that it's always going to be like that. We have to try and always help the marriage to attain the state of Islam, 
but it doesn't mean we're automatically going to sit in it. So um, in, in a marriage, we have to work through getting our individual wants worked out um, according to the principles and value of Islam um, and using principles like love and mercy and compassion and fairness and justice and forgiveness. But again, how we learn to, to um, use those values to support marriages will be very much based on how we've seen it done in our family of origin. Yep. So whilst Islam will evoke, you know, and say, you know, there needs to be love and mercy and compassion and forgiveness between a couple, how a couple does love, mercy, compassion, forgiveness can look very different. Um, and I think that's those misunderstandings um, that a couple will then feel if, if they don't receive love in the same way that they were raised, that therefore there's no love, which is not actually the truth of the situation. It just means that the expression of love can be different to what we expect, yep, yep. you know, or the application of forgiveness. Um, that could be different as well. And these are fundamental values that could indeed be there in the relationship, but they just look differently. Mm. And, and so my workshops help couples to understand how the application of those values and how our family of origin has influenced what they look like. And that will definitely lead to, you know, an understanding to go, ah, oh, that's, it's almost like being able to speak each other's language of love, you know, or to, um, yeah, at least understand it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, so the uh, workshop that you're going to be carrying out, it's going to be in Sydney on the 1st of June. Um, and the timing is from 8.30 a.m. till 1 p.m. at the Ridges Hotel, Hotel in Bass Hill. Uh, can you just give us a, a little bit, um, you know, of information about what can we expect from this workshop? I mean, usually when I tell people about the workshop, I ask them, do you have marriage problems? You know, go to this workshop jokingly. But, I mean, who does need to go to this workshop? Everyone needs to go to this workshop. This marriage, this, this marriage workshop is definitely not just for couples who have problems. I mean, I can safely say all couples have um, some difficulties from time to time, but that doesn't mean that your marriage is on, on the brink of divorce either. It just means you're normal. Um, and, and for me, I guess the couples that will be coming there um, will realise the value of their relationship actually even towards their health. If um, One thing I, I mentioned was that actually couples who are, have a healthier relationship are actually healthier, not only um, mentally healthier, but actually also physically healthier. You live longer if you're in a healthy marriage. So rather than just, you know, exercising or taking your vitamins or, you know, um, looking at, you know, losing weight or doing all these things and eating right, actually by investing in your marriage can help you to um, be healthier and have better blood pressure and um, sleep better and, you know, and live longer indeed. Um, so, but on the, on the day we'll be um, covering things like um, gender differences. I think they're really, really important. Allah tells us that we are not the same and, and I'm going to explain some of those ways um, that in, in ways that you're not the same um, as, as a husband and a wife. And um, we'll be also talking about the values of the relationship. This workshop is very, very interactive, but the way in which I run it is also um, enables couples to have private conversations that won't be shared amongst the group. So you, because it doesn't, it doesn't benefit me to 
um, personally be aware of what a couple sees their strengths or weaknesses are. But it's important for them to know. It's important for um, the couples in, in the workshop to have really good conversations around what we expect for each other and being able to manage those expectations. And I'll be giving some tools to create a winning team because I, I, I think some of the best couples in our community are those that have worked um, well um, cooperatively as a team and looking at um, family goals and things like that. And thing also we'll be teaching um, uh, how to fight for your marriage and not each other mm. in the marriage. Uh, and we'll be looking at, you know, um, looking at different styles of how we how we love each other and fostering fostering that. And most importantly, my my training isn't around just helping couples avoid divorce. It's actually helping couples plan for an awesome relationship. And there's a very, very big difference. So we're not just talking about resolving, you know, a couple's um, understanding of what their rights and responsibilities are in Islam. Um, awesome couples actually usually never reference their rights and responsibilities because they're usually already fulfilling them and they have a much deeper connection than just basing, um, you know, their their marriage, you know, the quality of their marriage on are they just fulfilling their the basic rights um, and responsibilities that we are meant to have towards each other as husband and wife. So I go right up to the top and say, no, we let's how to have an awesome relationship. So what are the things that um, couples do who actually have really, really successful relationships, what do they do and let's replicate that because I think that um, our community really does um, need and deserve some really wonderful um, couples and also because we're, we're creating the next generation so we need to create, um, you know, we're always looking up and, and aspiring towards things that are better for the next generation um, coming along and remembering that for those couples who have or even if you don't have children that your children watch you in marriage every single day and every single day you're teaching your children how to do marriage so how to be a husband and how to be a wife and how to resolve conflict productively how to respect each other um how to help each other to achieve family goals and community goals and and so this is that's sort of some of the things i'll be giving in the workshop so I encourage, I encourage, it's open, it is ever for anyone and everyone, uh, and, and I'd register quickly because I know there's limited places. No worries at all. So the uh, workshop, inshallah, uh, as I mentioned, is going to be on Saturday, um, and it's uh, from the, sorry, Saturday the 1st of June from 8.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, Sister Monique Tui, who is the Managing Director and Principal Psychologist of Nasihak Consulting Group, thank you very much for your time this morning. Oh, you're very welcome, Jazak. Thank you for having me, and um, I look forward to working working up in Sydney this weekend. No worries at all. Have a good day. Salam alaikum. Alaikum salam. All right. So now we come back to Sister Amasi. Uh, Sister Amasi, can you tell us some information about the workshop? Um, if we wanted to find that information, the prices. Um, um, where we can get the tickets from, all the information, please. Okay, so as I previously mentioned, that it's for couples. Mm -hmm. um, so a husband and a wife must attend together. And what's what we think is unique, what's unique about this workshop is that the husband and the wife will actually sit together mm. with um, some space around them to allow private conversation and discussions. So no segregation? No, there will be no segregation. Okay. Um, there will be some segregation from couple to couple, yeah. I guess, <laughs> but not from men and women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and that's very important because this is a marriage workshop. And yeah. so what would be the point if you're sitting on one side and that's the husband is sitting on the other side? That's very true. It will cover... Um, no, we're not going to talk about topics, are we? No, she, she's going to talk, talk about that. Okay. okay, so it's limit. It's limited to 25 couples only. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure you register quickly. Okay. Um, the date is on the 1st of June. Uh, that's on a Saturday. From 8.30 in the morning to 1.00. Eight thirty in the morning to one. Yep. So it's just the one day, it's not two days, is it? Yeah, just the one day. Okay, cool. Eight thirty. Condensed. <laughs> All right, good, yep. excellent. And it's going to be at the Ridges Hotel in Bass Hill. Yeah, yeah. And the cost is seventy dollars mm-hmm. per couple, mm-hmm. um, and it's important um, for a couple to register. So yep. no spouse, no entry. Okay, and that's the um, Eventbrite uh, website that you want to make. No, we for. actually have an online registration part of FAMSI, which okay. is www. Forward slash happy marriage. Okay. Okay. Great. Excellent. And for inquiries, um, either contact me. Yeah. Um, on Facebook or through you. Okay. Cool. So, um, if any of our listeners uh, ha- do have any questions, they're most welcome to uh, send a question through to us on our website uh, www. and go to contact us, and we'll be sure to uh, get the information over to Sister Masi. Do you have a phone number as well? They can text or call to us. So my phone number is zero four one. Three two nine eight two six seven, and the website is fancy.org.au yep. But also, uh, you can find us on Facebook. Um, it's just if you just search for the Federation of Australian Muslim Students and Youth, okay. Fancy. But hopefully, you'll just have a link of that on your own Facebook page. Inshallah. Okay, so then um, that'll be on Saturday, the first of June. Um, thank you very much, Sister Amasi, and we uh, we hope to uh, see you there. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum